All right, good evening to you out there. Welcome to the 573 Report. I am Gabe DeArmond. On the other side of your screen is Mitchell Forty. And look, we're going to be real honest. I generally take a good amount of pride in our lack of preparation for these shows. Um, this might have actually a little bit less preparation uh, than most. Um, I frankly was reading Twitter and uh, and talking with uh, with other people in sports media a lot of the day. Uh, definitely a weird day for people in our business. So, look, we're going to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about largely tonight. Um, you're here. Hopefully, uh, at least some of you are. Hopefully, more of you roll in. Hopefully, you have some comments, questions, whatever. We will do that. Mitch, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Uh, um, you know, like as Baylor, but uh, the show will go on, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk a uh, talk a fair amount of basketball. Yeah, um, we'll start there. Uh, Missouri, I guess. Last time we saw them beat Alabama in what is probably the best win of the year, right? I mean, fair to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, the Illinois game, I mean, that that may end up looking a little bit better on a resume and it is a rival. But in my mind, the Alabama win's a little bit more significant just because it, I think it tells you more later in the year. You know, yeah. like we've seen Missouri teams in the past beat Illinois and then not amount to all that much uh, the, the past few years. So... Um, you know, beating a team that was undefeated in conference play certainly, you know, says that the, the talk about Missouri contending for the SEC was, you know, somewhat justified. I mean, yeah. they're probably not going to get there. They'd need Alabama to really screw up, but still um, big win, no doubt. And last I looked, and I'm looking at the score now, I mean, Alabama's up. There's only a minute 18 left, but they're only up four on South Carolina in uh, in Columbia. I, I think they'll probably hold on, but I was a little surprised that was as close as it was. Um, so what do we make of the fact that that's Alabama's first SEC loss and that just a week ago they went and, and got beat pretty bad by Oklahoma with by an Oklahoma team that, that wasn't, wasn't at full strength. What's that say about the SEC that, that Missouri and Alabama, I think have separated themselves as the top two teams. Yeah, I, I think it definitely shows that the, the top end of the league is not, all that impressive you know it's certainly i think the top end of the the if the league is, is worse than the top end of the, the big 10 for sure oh. you know the big east the big 12 um the acc is actually kind of down so it's probably kind of similar there um but yeah i mean like alabama's obviously when they play well they can beat absolutely anyone and they can crush anyone like some of those you know games that that wasn't just a reflection on the rest of the league being bad that was them playing unbelievably well you know and making a lot of threes um but since their their shootings kind of returned back to earth they they i don't think they've been over 40 percent in any their last i think five games now four or five and you know they've found ways to win their defense has still been pretty good they're pretty balanced but it's not the same level of team um you know and and I mean, basically just all these teams are, are flawed. Like, you know, Missouri and Tennessee are somewhat similar. Um, you know, Tennessee even more so than Missouri, I think, just lacks kind of go, go-to guys on the offensive end. So, you know, I, I mean, there's there are several solid teams in the SEC, but there are, I don't think, really many that you look at and say, like, man, that's that team's really good or, or can, you know, probably contend to win it all, unless Alabama starts playing like they were two, three weeks ago. So sitting here today – how many teams in the SEC do you think – and 
using the term lock with a month left in the regular season is a little dumb because, yes, the bottom can fall out and in any mm-hmm. almost anybody could still miss the tournament. But how, how many teams would you consider, barring the bottom falling out, being tournament locks in the SEC? Um, I think four are most likely in. You know, I, I like not Stone Cold Locks, but like you said, in, unless something real bad happened. I think I think Missouri, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida are are almost certainly in. Okay. Um, Florida does, you know, they they've got some issues. They're they're on COVID pulse right now, and they could they could fall out if they lose some games. Um, and I think I would probably think Arkansas and LSU are both in as of today, but they're both pretty pretty much hovering around that bubble line you know i haven't looked at a bunch of bracketologies or anything but like you know could see them you know around like a anywhere from like a nine seed to like on the on the wrong side of the bubble something around there so uh and then after that i don't see anyone who's even got much of it who's even all that close i mean you know maybe if Ole miss keeps winning but that's that's really the only one Ole miss could get in i think but they have to beat missouri at least once and maybe twice um yeah i i would say I, I I would say it's three. I, I don't I think Florida's still in that territory where it's got enough difficult games left. I mean, they're at Arkansas in a week, they're at Auburn, they're at Kentucky. Like I think they've got they've still got work to do. I would say Missouri, Tennessee, and and Alabama are in almost regardless. And and I want to be clear, like I, I don't want to take away from what that win was for Missouri. As as Steve says, it looks like they have a great chance of being number two in the SEC. I think that's now uh, – I mean, it's certainly not. It, look, they're, we're barely over halfway through the – I guess for Missouri, we're exactly halfway through the league season. So there's things to be done, no question. But Missouri – that win was huge because now they've split the season series with Tennessee. So the tiebreaker, if it came down to them in Tennessee, would probably be how you did against the the highest-ranked team. That's Alabama. Right. Uh, Tennessee lost yep. to them. Same situation could come into play with Arkansas. At the worst, Missouri's going to split with them. So they've got a lot of tiebreakers and things going in their favor by that win over Alabama. And, I mean, as, as much as the lasting impression kind of was the last six minutes and how bad it was, like, that was complete and utter domination for 34 minutes I, I mean that was one team that didn't even look like it belonged on the floor with the other team yeah really incredible to come out of a game like that where you know Missouri beat a top 10 team we're saying you know biggest win of the season probably in a few years and and dominated like you said for 34 minutes or 33 minutes and yet you come away really and truly not knowing how to feel I know we were texting after the yeah. game and just saying like like what do we what do we what do we think about that because you know and i think you know the more kind of removed i am the more i think like you know still obviously the win is probably the you know the thing you focus on most um and you know obviously they played better for longer than they they didn't um but there you know there's always a little bit of a uh you know what what could have been there but yeah like i mean i thought my biggest takeaway from the first however many minutes 30 minutes or whatever was that missouri absolutely looked like alabama could not match missouri's energy missouri looked like that game meant more to them than it meant to alabama yeah Uh, you know they came out and just played so much harder well and and i thought somebody on our message board put it in pretty good perspective actually and said look at the tcu game that was like it wasn't getting dominated for 36 Mm -hmm. minutes but like you were behind significantly with four and a half minutes left and then 
because of what the last four and a half minutes were, we come out of that game praising it and saying, oh, look, they never quit, blah, blah, blah. We tend to just focus on the last little bit as opposed to taking it as a whole thing. And, you know, like Cornell Mann said today on the on the Zoom call, he said, well, the good news is we were up by enough that we had it to give away, you know. And I do mm-hmm. think you, you can't lose sight of that. I mean – teams have beaten Alabama, but nobody's done that to Alabama this year, which kind of indicates to me like what, what I think maybe we hadn't seen out of Missouri is show me the ceiling that like you could be in an elite eight game and win it. Right. I mean, yeah, I know they'd beaten Illinois, but that was a while ago and it was kind of weird. Oregon hasn't been as good. So that game showed me if Missouri were to get to a sweet 16 or an elite eight, if they put it together, they are good enough to win that game. Like their ceiling is Final Four caliber. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, you know, the, yeah, that that was really important in that way. And and I think you know, even you you could still come out of there and say too, like you know, they they clearly haven't quite reached that ceiling. You know, they showed that right. it's there, but they have, still haven't put really. I mean, I can't really think of one game where it's like, man, they played a great full forty minutes. And now. That probably never happens. I mean, like that's not something that happens a ton in college basketball. But still, um, you know, there is there is even you know yeah room to go. But you you kind of just got a glimpse of how high that ceiling is. And and you know I mean too like you know they they did it shooting like you know one of fifteen or fifteen percent from three, three of twenty I think from three. You know you you would hope that's a number that is better in a tournament play. But you know with this team that's not guaranteed. And and I think one of my biggest takeaways of the past you know few games out of the season is against TCU like you mentioned they came back they, the offense caught fire when it needed to they had two players combined for I think it was 70 points 69 points something like that um you know two games later those two players I mean they were fine but they were kind of non-factors and you know you, you still beat the uh you know the number 10 team in the country so yeah. that 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 part I think bodes well for the tournament that they're not you know just totally reliant on one thing yeah, uh, South Carolina currently down 79-78 to Alabama with two seconds left, but Alabama is going to the line. It would take kind of a miracle, but it is still uh, possible. I, I think the the most impressive thing out of this Missouri team to me is the number of different ways they have won. They have won a game scoring 54 points. They have won a game giving up 98 points. They have won a game going 3 of 20 from three-point range, and they have won a game shooting 26% from the floor. I mean, you know, when you can do all those things, I I, I mean, again, and and I've said this before, but I don't know the one thing they're really good at. Like, I don't know the one area where they excel except scoring more points than the other team. And that's like, that's kind of the whole thing. That's the whole point of it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think that is part of, of, you know, why you're seeing, you know, some of the, the analytics and projection based sites not love them. Um, you know, they, they don't there's nothing they do that you would say is really elite. Now, they, you know, they do a lot of things well. They defend well for the most part. They get to the free throw line well. I think they still lead the SEC in free throws attempted per game. Um, obviously, Jeremiah Tillman is a very, very high end big man. But, you know, yeah, like you said, that there's, you know, there's not one thing that they, you know, is kind of their calling card that they excel at that's going to jump off the page from a number standpoint. And, you know, when, when you win a lot of close games, you know, 
mathematically that's going to be you know chalked up to to some sort of luck because you know the odds are you, you you win as many you know you lose as many close games as you win but i do think that's part of where we have to come in and say like at this point you know this team clearly has confidence when it gets into a close game late and that that does that means for that means something that counts for something yeah i mean they're the anti kentucky kentucky knows it's yeah. losing it <laughs> doesn't yeah. know how but it knows yeah. it's losing <laughs> Um, Missouri appears to kind of know it's winning in those situations because it always has. So, uh, and Danny says Alabama is going to lose a couple in, in a couple more and get Missouri back in it. So let's just look at this kind of remaining schedules because I think top four in the SEC is is likely for Missouri at this point. So now mm -hmm. we we focus on is there a way to get to one? Um, so let's say this first of all, Alabama has to lose twice more. And even if Alabama loses twice more, one of the keys here is Missouri then has to be allowed to make up those LSU and Vanderbilt games, and it has to win them both as well as the rest mm -hmm. of the games. Um, because if those, if even one of those games doesn't get made up and Alabama were to finish 15-3 and three and Missouri were to finish 14-3, and three, even though Missouri won head-to-head, -head, Alabama's getting the one seed, right? Right, yes, because the, the conference seeds are going to be based off win percentage, as Greg Sankey told us a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Missouri has to play the, the – even if they're even in losses, Missouri would have to play the same number of games. And, you know, like, you know, Danny mentions Bama losing a couple. Like, that may happen. Like, you know, Missouri is going to be favored in at least six of his last seven, probably all of its last seven games. I'm probably. not talking about LSU and, and Bandy, although they'd probably be favored in both those two at home. But, like – I'm not expecting them to run the table. It's possible, but like it just, it just, you just don't see it happen that often in college basketball. I mean, we saw, you know, last week how many ranked teams was it lost to unranked teams? You know, it's just kind of part of the deal. Um, so, is it is possible for Missouri to end up first in the SEC? But I still, I, I think that's a bit of a long shot at this point. I think Missouri's second toughest game left is probably tomorrow night in Oxford, uh, regular season finale as of now because again we don't know when they play LSU or Vandy or if they play LSU or Vandy would be at Florida they may not be favored in that one but let's just for you know grins we pretend Missouri has gone nine and oh the rest of the way and sits 15 and three so Alabama just closed out South Carolina beat them 81 78 so they are 10 and one here's the rest of the schedule I'm just gonna go game by game and you tell me what you think home against Georgia that should be a win. At Texas A&M. That should be a win. Home against Vanderbilt. That should definitely be a win. <laughs> At Arkansas. I mean, they so they're home against Arkansas, right? Because they they were already at Arkansas. No, they're at Arkansas. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Okay, I got to mix them. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, you know, you losable. can see them dropping Losable, it. right? It's losable, losable, yeah. yeah. At Mississippi State. Um, I mean, losable. Mississippi State played them cl tough close at home the last time, but they'll be favored. Yeah, Alabama's better. And then home against Auburn. Yeah, I mean, you know, never knowing that one, but, but again, they, they should win. I, I mean, right. They, if, yeah. if Alabama's going in playing for an SEC regular season title, they already beat Auburn at Auburn. Auburn's playing for literally nothing. Uh, it's, I mean, it's Auburn's last game. Auburn will play zero more games after that. So point is, I think worst case scenario for Alabama the rest of the way is five and two, which puts them 15 and three, which means yeah. Missouri has to win every game on its schedule, get the LSU game back, win that, get the Vanderbilt game, win that. Is it possible? Sure, it's it's possible. Um, I don't think it's likely. It is 
would anything less than that get Missouri a one seed? Like, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like they have to win out because the weird thing about Missouri's schedule is, yes, it does set up to get you some wins, but there's maybe one game left on the schedule that's really going to impress anybody. I mean, I know Ole Miss is a quad one win right now, so yeah, that, it's helpful, but it's not like a top 20 Hey, that's a one seed win. Right. Yeah, no, one seed's, I don't think, super realistic for Missouri at that point. It was a lot like winning the league, like you said. I think that's what they'd have to do is probably win out and win the the SEC regular season. Yeah, I think they'd Um, have to win out and then probably win at least one. They they might have to get to the SEC tournament final. Yeah, I would kind of think so. Um, Like, you know, the thing is, is they're already kind of operating from behind, like it or not. Like, it is what it is. They're... The part of the formula is those performance metrics Mm -hmm. and that, you know, factors into their net ranking and they're what 25th right now. I mean, like you don't see a lot of teams jump up, you know, 20 spots in the net in the, you know, whatever six week span or whatever it's going to be. So three weeks. Yeah. Especially when playing teams that are below them in the net, like they are supposed to beat Mm -hmm. every team they play the rest of the way. And, and the other thing is, look, Baylor's got one locked up. Baylor is getting a one seat. Gonzaga is getting a one seat. Michigan or Ohio State is getting a one seed. And right. frankly, the winner of the, 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 winner one, of the Big Ten. Right. Yeah, the winner of the Big Ten is getting one. And yeah, someone else. The runner up might get one. I mean, Ohio State has more quad one road wins than almost anybody else in the country has quad one wins, period. You know, and mm-hmm. Michigan is is a top five team. It's just, I, I think the ceiling for this Missouri team is a two seed. Right. And and I don't think certainly that, you know, like that's nothing to be disappointed no, about. I know like, the, the conversation has shifted so much lately. It's funny. You know, right. we, we went so long with people being like, ah, is this team for real? I can't decide. And now all of a sudden it's yeah. can they win the SEC? Can they get a one seat? So, you know, enjoy that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, and Todd Julian brings up, uh, says that happy Conzo was able to adjust his team style of play. Most coaches never evolve. So let's start with that. And, and Mitch just kind of, you know, rerun what Cornell Mann said on the on the Zoom call today. And and while we're talking about this topic, guys, and we got a couple others, please, we invite your questions, your comments, all that. Like we said, uh, we're, we're relying on you tonight. So whatever you want to talk about, whether it's basketball-related, football, you know, I mean, you can ask about softball. I don't know. Maybe Mitch has been studying up on that. I have personally not. But whatever you want to talk about, uh, you know, go ahead and do it. Yeah, non non sports questions. You can get weird. Right. It's, it's yeah, fine. Whatever. I got invited to a wedding on here recently. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So it, I actually I really do think that probably the single biggest difference between Missouri the last couple years and Missouri this year has been pace of play. You know, Jeremiah Tillman is right up there as well, but pace of play has been huge. And and that was very much on display Saturday. I mean, Alabama, you know, is a top 10 team in the country in terms of pace. And Missouri was, was definitely the aggressor there. And Alabama was unprepared for it. I mean, they were pushing the pace, you know, every time they could, um, they beat Alabama down the floor for a lot of baskets. And then honestly, when they, when they tried to slow it down, that's kind of when things fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it was interesting. We, we talked to Cornell Mann on zoom today and, you know, he basically said Conzo wanted to do this before, but just, you know, he basically just didn't have faith in, in the guys to take good. They turned it over ball. too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They turned the ball over too much. And, and you know, Missouri basically, you know, didn't have the, the, the scoring and the shooting to overcome that many turnovers. So um, that was interesting to hear. 
And uh, I do think, you know, I mean, it, it was funny. We talked to Conso about it earlier in the year and he's, you know, he said watching the games from past years, he's like, man, why did I, why did I coach like that? So clearly there is, you know, maybe some element of he could have done it sooner, but I do think that's a big part of, you know, having a team you trust and a bunch yeah. of veterans and upperclassmen. And so here's the other, the, the thing that I would nominate for the biggest difference. And I don't know if he did this out of, necessity or out of he saw it I I'm not sure why it was but look in the first three years of covering Conzo Martin like at some point I gave up on trying to keep track of his substitutions it was dizzying how quickly like I remember the the first game that Michael Porter Jr. played like I remember I had kind of thought at about the 12 minute mark Oh, that's weird. He hasn't been on the floor for a while, but it was because, I mean, he went out with 17 and a half minutes left and like Conzo did that with other guys too. There were always substitutions right. before the first TV timeout. So it took a minute to, to realize, but my point is he started this season with an eight man rotation and he pretty much knew what it was and it really hasn't changed. Now, yes, Pickett has gone in for Mark Smith in the starting lineup, but the core eight guys the only difference is every now and then Parker Brown might get a few more minutes or every now and then Torrance Watson might get a few more minutes, but that's it. He knows his rotation. The, the, the substitutions haven't changed. The minutes haven't changed. And I just think, especially with a veteran team, that's a big deal. Like he's not, and, and you can argue whether in the past he was, was he searching for an answer and that's why the substitutions happened so much or were the substitutions happening so quickly that nobody could get a rhythm, and that's why he was searching for an answer. I, I don't know, but I think it's a big right. difference this year. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, and honestly, I mean, it does also go back to, like, what you do have to talk about a little bit with, with him in Missouri, which is injuries. You know, that yeah. it's part right. of the reason they've been able to have a stable rotation this year is because they've had – Everyone available for the most part. Obviously, Javon Pickett wasn't this past uh, Saturday. But, yeah, you know, I, I do agree 100% that, you know, there is noticeable that he has tightened up the rotation. And, you know, he still he still likes to, to get people in, various people in early in the game. But I think it's just less, you know, he's less prone to, you know, say Xavier Pinson commits a turnover, he's coming out right away. Stuff like that. You know, someone takes a bad shot, he's coming out right away. And I think it just it's similar to the pace of play thing. It's just he, he trusts these guys. He's, he knows what he has at this point. So I'm pretty confident saying neither one of us has a vote, but is he the SEC coach of the year? Um, I, I'd, I'd have to see, you know, yeah, I probably have to see how the season plays out. Um, I mean, right. I'm just talking about as know. of today, as of today, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's time. It's, it's clearly him or Nate Oates. Right. And I, I do think Cal Calipari, you know, I mean, will he get votes? You think? <laughs> He might. You never know. The Kentucky, Kentucky, right, the Kentucky media might vote for him. <laughs> Although they, yeah, but they also, they everybody kind of, in Kentucky hates him. They now, actually so. hate their team so much this year. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you could make really compelling cases for both, um, you know, Nate Oates, what he's done so quickly there. And just kind of, I, I feel like, you know, how the kind of the, the unique style he's implemented um, and to, to win 10 straight league games is impressive if you're just looking at league games. But Missouri's, pro I mean, had a better season overall than Alabama. And I'm pretty sure was picked lower in the preseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have Alabama a hard time was imagining Alabama was. Alabama yeah, was picked fifth than Missouri was 10th. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't know if that should matter in these things, but it does. So yeah, I've just talked myself into it as of today. Console Martin SEC coach of the year. See, that's the thing. I think that the coach of the year award has turned into 
the guy that has a team that is better than we thought it was in November, which was based on nothing other than what we thought, right? Like it's a a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, well, they've overachieved. Well, based on what? They've actually just achieved. The only thing they've overachieved is what idiots like us thought about them based on nothing. Um, Look, I don't know, man. If if Alabama gets to 17-1, and Like, I think I'd have to vote for Nate Oates. And oh, I know the I one loss would be at Mizzou and all that. But, you know, Mizzou lost more. If Bama goes, if Bama runs the table from here on out, I think it's got to be Nate Oates. As of today, I think I'd probably vote for Oates. But it would be like I would have to sit down and make a pros and cons list between Oates and Conzo for the for the choice. It wouldn't be an easy choice either way. Um. All right, so we've got some basketball questions kind of rolling in here. And uh, Keegan had a two-parter, and I'm going to save part two. Uh, So he says, does having a top 10 or 15 regular season team signal that that basketball is headed in the right direction under Conzo, or do they have to prove something in the NCAA tournament? So, look, clearly this is going the right way, right? I mean, mean, this season, it's a good season. Let's say, you know, Missouri goes – six and one, five and two down the stretch, whatever it is, wins about close to 20 games in the regular season, tops 20. Like, that's a good year regardless of what happens in March. But by the time Missouri tips off in the NCAA tournament, somebody did the math for me on this, it's going to be 4,017 days since the last time they won a tournament game. Like, this program needs a tournament win. Like, it it, it, it's kind of like Gary Pinkle said when he took the job. He said, I didn't create these problems, but I inherit them. They're now my problem. Like, it is now Conzo Martin's problem that this team hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since I was in my early 30s. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's since you were 15. Like, you couldn't drive the last time Missouri won an NCAA tournament game. That's that's true. That's incredible. Insanity. <laughs> so, like, they kind of yeah. have to win yeah, at I least mean, one, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's almost it really is almost unfair that that so much importance but, is put on March for college oh, yeah. basketball coaches because you know uh, literally anything can happen in a single elimination format as you know Missouri fans are well aware. Um, but <laughs> hey, like is there said, is there I mean, any is, specific that example of that or? Oh, no, nothing's mind of, of games they maybe should have won or not okay. lost. Uh, yeah, yeah, as a high seed. But anyway, um, yeah, I, like you know. That is what is, you know, ultimately gets the most attention on how seasons are judged. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, I I, I know people always talk about, you know, that was a Sweet 16, an Elite 8 team, a Final Four team. And obviously, you know, Final Four just trumps everything else. If you, right. you know, you could be like South Carolina a few years ago and be bad and make the Final Four and it's still a great year. But um, I think they need to win at least one game that, you yeah. know, you can't have, especially if they're going to be seated as high as we think they are. You, you almost oh, that would almost invalidate everything else um, this season, I think. And, and especially, you know, just from a, a frustration standpoint, uh, if they were to lose to a to a high seed like that in, in the first round. Well, and that's the other thing, because Missouri is now going to be they will be seated likely to make the sweet 16. And so, look, if you lose a four or five game in the in the in the second round, it happens. But, like, you can't end this season with a loss to a double-digit seed in the first round. Um, it, it won't invalidate the season. It won't wreck the program. Conzo's not going to get fired right. or anything like that. Right. Right. But you got to get one. 
Right. Yeah. I wasn't implying, you know, put him on the hot seat or anything. I know right. that was part of Keegan's question, but yeah, I do think, you know, yes. Uh, yeah. It just changes. It changes so much to have a, you know, yeah. A just, you know, like you said, adorable lose, lose to a six seed or lose to a five seed in the second round or a four seed, wherever they are versus losing to a, a double digit seed. It, it makes the whole feel of the season feel completely different. Yeah. And, and the second part of Keegan's question is, does a first round exit put him on the hot seat going into next season? I, I see nothing that puts Conzo Martin on the hot seat going into next season. And and after this year, I see nothing that gets Conzo Martin fired next year. Like he's coaching a minimum of two seasons after this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, he's shown what he can do at this point with a, a team full of guys he developed. So if he has a yeah. bad year, that's the, you know, the what he can point to is yeah, you know, it's that's going to happen when you're doing a bunch of 3 and 4 year guys and you need one class to kind of come along and be special and and hopefully we just got those guys and I'll prove it to you over these next few years. Now and then if he doesn't, we have a different dis- discussion, but you know, this right. this type of season hasn't happened that often for Missouri, so it's mm-hmm. going to buy him a little bit of equity. And he uh, I believe I I didn't look this up, but I w- I was kind of off memory he originally signed a six-year contract which mean he would have two years left but that ncaa tournament bid the first year automatically added one so he's got three more years on his contract he is under contract till april 1st of 2024 correct Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think you're right yes yeah so he's i mean he's he he's fine um you know and i know i know every day people are worried about next year and it's the message board is going to be full of well this year's fine but like he's gonna he's gonna get fired next year if he goes 10 and 20 no he's not he just isn't um you know whatever you want to think it's not going to happen uh Justin, uh, Justin, and, and appreciate everybody watching and joining. And, and real quick, before I get to this, I should have done this at the top of the show, but um, we've got more people here now than we did at the top of the show, so it works better now. Um, go to 573tees.com. That is, they sponsor the 573 Report every week, and uh, we want to send you over there. Sadly, there is not any Super Bowl 55 champion shirts available at 573tees.com unless they're making Buccaneers gear, in which case we have to discuss the sponsorship of this show. Um, but maybe you can still get some Super Bowl 54 gear. Maybe you can get some Mizzou hoops gear, things like that. Um, you know, So go check them out, 573tees.com. Uh, throw them some support for uh, all the support they've given us uh, throughout this whole very bizarre year and we want to help them out too so justin says uh so many years of mizzou finding ways to lose games it's still hard to accept the fact they are finding ways to win games still worried about that collapse and I, like mitch i think that is the most common text i've gotten i'm not used to missouri winning these games so it's just weird for me to see missouri winning these games i i, I yeah. must have gotten six texts that said that after saturday yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I've heard, heard similar stuff from, from a lot of people and thought it myself. I mean, like, you know, I think I typed several times in like post game thoughts or whatever, closing thoughts posts this year, like, well, that's not a thing we normally see. Usually Mizzou would be on the other end. So yeah, I mean, that's, you know, maybe you're just trading in all the, uh, the built up, uh, you know, bad luck for good luck or equaling out that karma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, Cam Cameron is asking about Javon Pickett and, so, look, here's the lesson we learned again on, I guess it would have been Saturday. Uh, or was that not Saturday? Yeah, Saturday was the last game. Saturday, so, yeah. on Friday, I went out of my way to ask Conzo Martin, you know, how's Javon? Fine. He's practicing. He's fine. Javon Pickett played like 18 seconds. 
and went back to the bench and couldn't play. Conzo Martin's definition of fine just is not our definition of fine. It, it, his definition of yeah. fine means he is alive. He appears to be <laughs> able to functionally move around. He's not going to play, but I'm going to tell you he's fine. So the truth is, right. we know Javon is alive. We have <laughs> no idea if he's going to play tomorrow. And I believe Mitch has frozen up. We'll uh, we'll give him a second to see if he yeah, unfreezes. Correct. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Are you back with us? Actually, practice practice almost in. Okay. Am I back? Okay. Am I back? You are you are currently uh, back. Okay. Yeah. Am I back? Okay. Sorry about that, but yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah. So I talked to someone at the game on Saturday who did say that Pickett practiced and actually did a lot at practice on Friday, the day before the game, um, and just you know one of those things where he started warming up Saturday and it, and it got tight. So um, that can't happen with ankle injuries. And Cornell, it was interesting. Cornell Mann did actually say today. Pickett can kind of be his own worst enemy at times because he hates missing practice mm -hmm. and he will literally practice on one leg if you let him. So you kind of have to step in and be like, well, you know, we need you for this game. You you can, uh, you know, take today off. So, right. And perhaps they've done that since Saturday. And I mean, Javon's been around here. Like, I think practice is really overrated, right? He's been around here a while. Like I saw a story today that, you know, Mahomes has to have a walking boot and he's missing the off season. Like, I don't care if that dude ever practices again. I you know, like Javon Pickett yeah. knows what practice is. He'll be yeah. fine to show up and play the game. Um, I think I just. I hope Pickett it. has like a practice. Are we talking about practice quote at, uh, at after the next game because yeah. he obviously watches the show. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to really give us a quote that that would be uh, that good. But that that'd be good if he did. Um, okay, yeah. I I must have missed something. Kevin Larson is asking about a Culver Stockton defensive back that tweeted he was coming to Missouri. Do you know anything about this? Uh, I saw it briefly on the message board, and I'm pretty certain it's a walk-on, but uh, that's all I know. Yeah. I know okay. nothing. Yeah, have to have to assume it is a walk-on. Um, I, like, at best, like a Boo Smith situation where – hang on. Uh, at best, a Boo Smith situation where he could walk on and maybe earn a scholarship down the road. But look, I'm sure that Culver Stockton has a good program. I'm sure those kids work hard. The chances that Eli Drinkwitz is offering one of his three remaining scholarships to a guy that played last year's Culver at Culver Stockton seems low to me. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, let's see. South Carolina had a terrible play to end the game against Bama, made a layup down three with four seconds left. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like you would want to shoot a three in that situation. That would be more likely. It does. I'm no coach. I also didn't watch it, so it's hard to tell, but I'm going to react based entirely on this message and say yes. Right. Fire Frank Martin. Yeah, Frank Martin, terrible coach. Uh, good, good interview, though. I like him. Uh, Ron's asking, how would you grade – Conzo's tenure in the macro. I always have to remind myself that means big picture, right? <laughs> uh, micro is the small. Um, how much Correct. of what happens the rest of this year influences the grade by the end of the year? I mean, he he gets graded almost on two separate curves, right? The first curve is, I mean, he just took over like a trash heap. I don't I don't mean to be mean. I liked some of the kids on that team. They just weren't good at winning basketball games at yeah. that time. Um, so that is, that is the first curve. And then the second curve is 
this really is the first time he's had his actual team on the floor. Now, I think, you know, last year, injuries to to Tillman and Smith, I don't put those in the same category as the first two years where he legitimately lost his best player within, like, hours of the start of the season. Last year's different. I saw them with Tillman and Smith, and they weren't any good before that. So, you know, that's not great. But overall, yeah. I, I don't know, like a B so far? Yeah, I agree. Um, the end of the season does, you know, play a big part. But, you know, I, I mean, I look at it kind of as coming into this season, he had had one very, very good year, one disappointing year, and one where it's kind of, I would almost say, an incomplete. You know, it's just like, eh, it, bad injuries. Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, you know, and, and that's why this year was kind of important because if it was really good again, you could say, okay, he's been good for the majority of his tenure so far. And, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, shown the ability to develop these guys if he's not going to get the really high caliber recruits, you know, build a, a put together a class that's going to stay together and be able to win. Or if it went the other way, uh, you know, obviously you'd say since that first class, it's been, you know, declining or whatever. So I'd say, yeah, I, you know, depending on how this year finishes, you know, anywhere from, yeah, BB plus something like that. In the absence of Bob Douglas on this particular show, inviting Mitch to a wedding, Danny Ragland has my favorite comment that Conzo would describe your internet, internet connection as quote fine. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, it gets me on the air. <laughs> it does. Sort it, of. Sometimes it keeps you on the air. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, you know, see, see how it goes to see if we can keep it up for another, I don't know few minutes uh however long this goes um okay Tiercell wants to know will Tillman be first team all SEC I mean the last six games seven games have a lot to do with it as of today I think so right yeah I do too I I mean yeah I you know especially if you if if people fill out their ballot based off of actually going position by position which I think you should um you know picking like one center who's been the best in the league this year I think it would be Tillman um so yeah I I would think so you know his, his numbers on the season like don't absolutely blow you away but if you're looking at conference play I mean he's obviously he's been really good and and you know you can't watch a Missouri game without noticing how much he impacts the game so I think he probably will um he's obviously it's dipped to these past few games it depends if teams continue to to pay him the attention they have these past couple games then maybe not but if he gets to play against Jamie Dixon again then absolutely because that was remarkable how he just said I'll guard him with one defender all night and it didn't work out well and so much of the all-conference stuff will be in Again, the SEC puts eight guys on its all-conference team, which I well, yeah. So the the, really the coaches do that, but I think the media puts five, which is clearly because we're much smarter and understand how basketball is played than the coaches. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, so so much of that has to do with team success, right? I mean, Jeremiah is leading yeah. the league in field goal percentage, and he is I you know he's third in rebounds, so. You look at like Scotty Pippen Jr.'s averaging 21 points a game. Vanderbilt hadn't won a game in the league. Is I, I think that'll be held against him, even though he's he's second in scoring and second in assists. Like Scotty Pippen Jr. should make the all league team, in my opinion. Um, you know, Severe Wheeler's averaging seven and a half assists, but like Georgia's bad. He's not going to make the team. DJ Stewart and Iverson Molinar have been the top five in scoring in the league, but they're certainly both not going to make the team from Mississippi State. And then it all will also become, I think, people who vote for 
people will vote for a Missouri player. A Missouri player yeah. will make the team. But I think some people, if they vote for Drew Smith, will say, yeah, Tillman's not on my team because I'm not going to have two Missouri guys. You know, when you've got yeah. Cameron Thomas leading the league in scoring. Um, you know, you've got uh, Javante. Sharif Cooper. Yeah, Sharif Cooper. Javante Smart from LSU. Alabama's a weird thing because, like, I don't even know who for sure Alabama's best player is. I think it's probably Herb Jones, but the stats don't but necessarily he's you know, banged up bear that there. out. Right. Yeah, he has. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. You're, no, I mean, I think Alabama and, and Missouri and you know, even Mississippi State to a far lesser extent um, ha- have kind of the same problems where, yeah, like the, clearly Alabama and Missouri are good teams, but no one like stands out super far above the others from a st- statistical standpoint. So, you know, it is probably you're not going to say like, well, I'm not putting two guys who have lesser stats, you know, on the first team just because they play for a winning team. So yeah. I'll be interested to see. I think. On that team, like the coaches team, which has eight guys, I think Tillman will for sure make it um, because A, more spots, and B, I do think the coaches specific, every coach mentions him, you know, is kind of the key to, to slowing down Missouri. So um, I feel better about his chances there. And then, you know, Drew Smith will probably make a team, and I assume Xavier Smithson has a pretty good chance at making a team as well. Yeah, it, well, Drew Smith is kind of a little tiebreaker here is, I mean, he just got named – SEC player of the week for the third time this year. It's kind of hard to say a guy who was the best player in the league in a third of the weeks we played is not on the first team, you know? So yeah, I think, I think that's a a possibility. Um, I I really kind of thought we were past uh, answering this question again, but Steve is asking how the Porter family feels about Mizzou and whether Javon Porter would come. I, I mean, I don't know if he's, I guess he's that level of player. I don't know. I, I don't expect to see another Porter at Missouri, not because they hate Missouri or anything like that. Just, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Didn't Javon already commit somewhere? I think he did, but maybe I'm thinking of a different Porter. I think you're thinking of know. Coben who is maybe, but I kind of think Javon did too. I'll look, I'll look at some point, yeah. but I think, I don't know. Schiff, if Schiff's still watching, he'll let us know. I know he's in there earlier. Yeah, he is the, <laughs> he is kind of the Porter correspondent. Um, so he probably yeah. does know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't see the fact that the fact that it's not on my radar would suggest that you would my answer, which is no, he's probably not ending up at Missouri. Yeah, I don't think so. But again, I don't think it's like because the family hates Missouri or anything. I mean, they started, you know, Mike just started and they're funding an AAU team. I've heard talk of building a facility for him in Columbia. So, you know, I mean, Missouri continues to certainly promote everything he does on social media. So, yeah. And OK, so Kevin Larson cleared it up. Javon has committed to Pepperdine. So, no. He yeah. And probably... Coben's going to prep school, I think. OK. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. the Pepperdine coach is Lorenzo Romar, who Mike and Jonte were initially going to play for. So, um, no, he will not end up at Missouri. And largely, I think it's because like. I don't think Missouri and Pepperdine recruit a lot of the same kids, right? Uh, Schiff is going to bill yeah, us for getting that enough. information, but Kevin Larson got us that information first, Schiff. So, sorry, dude. Nothing for you. Yeah. I, I thought the Nets played tonight, Schiffer. I appreciate you watching, <laughs> but, you know. Anyway. We are more we are more compelling television than, than uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden. Yes. Yeah. Oh, 100. That's well, what this tells me. I don't know. I would listen to Kyrie Irving talk about some things, man. <laughs> He'll say oh, something. Yeah, I know. We're talking about them playing versus us talking. Okay. We are more compelling. Okay. Obviously, that's what my takeaway is from this. And I would rather watch 
them talking than me playing as well. So, uh, all right. So Matthew Smith has uh, has a personal profession professional question. Being with uh, that, our dads both did this. One of them actually still does this. One of our dads just hangs out on the beach now. But um, you know, did they encourage, discourage, or remain neutral when you were choosing your career path? I I don't know about you, Mitch. Like my dad was cool with it. Um, I because I never wanted to do anything else. I do remember at one point I thought about switching from broadcast to print and he told me not to do that. He said there was far more money in TV. Um, I'm not sure. What he didn't, what he didn't know at that point was how big our YouTube channel would be. <laughs> Fair. Yes. He did not know that I could meld all my skills into one glorious uh, production here on uh, the five, seven, three report every Wednesday night. No, but he was, he was good with it. Um, you know, I, I think like you just want your kid to do something they want to do. And like, I'm not really qualified to do anything else. I don't, all I really know about is sports and I can't play them. So I don't know what else I was going to do. Yeah, I, I was somewhat similar. Um, my dad was pretty neutral. There were definitely times where he would, you know, push me to be like, are you sure this is what you really want to do? You know, it's not just watching sports like you do have to do this other stuff. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound as good, but I guess <laughs> right. it's still worth it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, he was always supportive, always helpful, you know, helped me any time I've, I've asked for it or and other times. When you but haven't. Yeah. Not or you should be my protege or something <laughs> so yeah. right uh my yeah my son actually did at one point my oldest did say that he would kind of like to do my job if it wasn't for the writing and so i said so you would like to just go yeah, watch games <laughs> like, me too man that sounds great <laughs> everyone everyone would like to be paid for to do that i think yeah right if you would find someone who would let me do that that would be phenomenal and i would i would go there uh schiffer uh, does confirm that he is currently watching the 573 report while the Nets play. And as big as we've gotten, I believe he is fortunate enough to not have the Athletics NBA editors watching our show, so they don't know he is on here right now. If they do, though, Schiff, I don't know, man. You're in trouble. You might uh, might be coming back. Uh, okay, Tyler Wynn, with regards to potential conference tournament opt-outs, does the fact that an SEC tournament win would mean more for a school like Mizzou impact the decision? Uh, and he's talking about winning the league tournament. Look, winning the league tournament just isn't the goal. I, I mean, I said this on – I did a, a podcast with a couple other SEC guys. I said, first of all, if I was Missouri, I wouldn't play. And second of all, if they said, no, you have to play, I would say, okay, um, Jeremiah Tillman and Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson all sprained their ankles in practice yesterday. And Mark Smith's sick. So, like, none of those guys can come. So, here's my lineup. It's Ed Chang, Jordan Wilmore, Parker Brown, um, Torrance Watson, and I don't know, pick another guy. That's my team. That's who we're going to come Beef with. Your, bring, bring Beef Yerky back. Right. Yeah. And absolutely bring one of the walk-ons back. Go down to Nashville, lose your first game by 15 points, and get the hell out of Dodge and go play the NCAA tournament. Because, look, it, I, I know you can tell me that Missouri won the Big 12 tournament in 2012 in their last year in the league. If you can tell me, just without looking it up, what Missouri's conference tournament results are in any other year since 2012, I'll be pretty impressed. Um, you know, I mean, the highlight, I think, of conference tournament week 
was Kim Anderson telling people to shove it up their asses. You know, outside Absolutely. of that, yeah. nobody remembers anything about the conference tournament. They remember what you did in March. And again, it has been 4,000 days since they won a game. Winning the SEC tournament doesn't matter. Yeah, it's I also first of all, I have several thoughts. One, though I have to start that not only was that moment from Kim Anderson the highlight of Missouri's SEC tournament tenure, it was probably the highlight of my four years of college uh for for Missouri basketball during that span. Which oh, shows without you question. the, the yeah. tough time I was at school. Um but yeah, so it's it's tough. Like I hate that I agree with you kind of because I love conference tournaments. I think there are a lot of fun and you know that's when a lot of people kind of start getting really dialed in into college basketball before the main deal you know for Missouri fans to have, and capable of winning the SEC tournament would be a lot of fun constructed I just I don't know if it's if it's worth the the risk because you know you have to test negative seven straight days in order to play in the NCAA tournament you know so if you have someone I mean you know anyone gets it in in Nashville, they're they're not they're 100% not playing in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, and probably not the second weekend either. So you know, I, I just you know, there's just too much outside of your control. I think you're you're better off probably you know staying kind of bubbled up in in Columbia. Um, and you know, I I think I, I think the leagues are going to have to make some sort of concession make it more of a, a strict bubble type deal, something to get the, try to get these teams to play or just say, yeah, we're fine with it. You know, Kentucky win the league tournament and take a spot in the NCAA tournament. I, I just don't think the league is going to say, yeah, it's cool. If you want to skip it, maybe they will. No, I don't, I, I don't, I don't either. Um, I don't either. So I don't expect that to happen. And honestly, I don't expect Conzo Martin to skip it. I, I, he just, no, I don't probably think, not. <sighs> I think the kids would say they want to play and I think they'd yeah. go play. And you can't tell them not to play. And I understand I'm looking at this from a big picture perspective. But look, there is going to be someone somewhere in America that ends up missing the NCAA tournament. I'm not talking about a player. I'm talking about a team that ends up missing the NCAA tournament because they got contact traced in their league tournament. And, God, that would be awful. I mean, just devastating to – I mean, what if it's Drew Smith? He's never played in it before. You know, only – I think Jeremiah Tillman and Mitchell Smith were on the Missouri team that was in the tournament. Yeah, and and Mitchell's – Mitchell was hurt. Redshirted. Yeah. Here, I'm pretty certain. Or, yeah. or was hurt. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he – yeah. Tillman's the only one who, who has appeared in an NCAA tournament game at Missouri. So, I mean, telling these kids, you know, oh, yeah, sorry, we bumped into somebody who had it in Nashville. Or, like, look, a false positive can happen here, right? A false positive could knock you out of the NCAA tournament. And could it happen here? Sure, it could. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the and look, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but, like, I got really irritated when I saw that North Carolina players had sent out an apology today for partying without masks after they beat Duke. I mean, is that where we're at, that college kids are now apologizing for being college kids? Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they're – there was like some sort of real repercussion in that regard, but yes, I agree. That was ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I think there's going to be an SEC tournament. I think Missouri's going to play in it. Um, you know, we'll cover it. Um, I look, I, I don't, I wouldn't do it, but nobody asked me. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been doing this for 17 years and not one time have I gotten a call from somebody at Missouri that said, what should we do here? 
Um, you know, how would how would uh, how would the five seven three report handle this? You know, so uh, yeah, that uh, Conso does sometimes at press conferences randomly, like turn like he let, not as much now that we're on Zoom. Actually, I can't think of a time at Zoom, but there have been times a lot when we're in person that at the end he'll like he'll be like, okay, everyone done. Well, what did you think about that one? And he'll right. just pick someone. And so maybe that'll happen this time. Maybe it was like, Gabe. Should we play in Nashville? Well, I'll, tell him, I'll tell him they should not. My my favorite Conzoism in person was always like he would get done and he would just go, "How the football team doing?" You yeah, know? he would. He we're would. Like, well, often in often in like February, and we're like, yeah. oh, not the same. I haven't yeah. played in a few months. Not doing much, man. But check Twitter. Um, you'll see. But so. when when he asks you, make sure you include that Evan Yerkes needs to come back. Okay, I will do that. Uh, I would play the SEC tournament with Beef Yerks. Or Yerky, or yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Beef, so Beef Yerky. Yeah. So uh, anyway, appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, cutting it a little bit short tonight um, because, like, look, I feel like we've covered it. Um, I don't know. I guess tomorrow night at 8, right? 8 o'clock games are yep. terrible. That shouldn't happen. But I agree. There's just a huge difference between a 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock tip. But, yes, tomorrow at 8. All right, tomorrow at 8, Mizzou and Old Miss. That means I will be on this channel at 7 o'clock. Um, Mitch might even join me for a few minutes beforehand. We'll talk with Neil McCready. We'll do post game. We'll do all that. So uh, thanks for watching one more time. Before you log off, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. But more importantly than that, go to 573tees.com when you get done here. Buy yourself a T-shirt or whatever else, the other wonderful merchandise they have. Just go pick something up from them because they make this possible. Uh, they give you endless hours of entertainment or at least one hour every Tuesday or Wednesday night. So thanks for watching and uh, we'll see you later on.